0: Today's episode is presented by Misen. Virtually every chef agrees that a sharp, well-balanced chef's knife is the essential workhorse for any kitchen. A great knife should feel good in your hand, stay sharp, and hold up over time to the rigors of your kitchen. Simple right? But behind these deceptively simple concepts are centuries of tradition, technology, design and craft. Meeson spent 4 years developing the perfect knife because every little detail matters. Meeson went through 37 different prototypes until they knew they had the perfect knife. The final result? a knife that's a pleasure to hold sharp enough to plow through even the toughest foods and a blade that stays sharper longer the best part is by partnering closely with their factories and selling directly online and now mason is able to offer incredible cookware at wholesale pricing go to the link in our show notes to get your mason knife today, Misen is the perfect knife at an unreal price. In many ways, it feels like we are in the age of representation. As the cultural support for inclusivity has progressed, the pressure has increased for media companies, filmmakers, and really all content creators to evolve with us. Netflix, Marvel and HBO are just a few companies that have released shows and movies that promote diverse storytelling in recent years. We are seeing lead characters who are people of color, LGBTQ+, immigrants and other historically underrepresented identities. And more than that, many of these stories avoid the trap of one-dimensionality. Why? Because they are created by people who've experienced these stories themselves.
1: For the Rami, what brings you here? I want to change, and I heard you can help me.
2: I'm Professor Annalise Keating, and this is Criminal Law 100, or as I prefer to call it.
1: How
3: to get away with murder.
2: I spent my entire 20s with a dude that I'm not even
0: going to end up with. Sometimes I don't know what we're doing. I don't want to just sit on the couch with you for the rest of my life. You want to break up with me? I'm not ready to talk about this. You said I want to talk. We are not about
3: to be the black couple fighting in Rite Aid. I
4: mean, maybe I'm not satisfied.
0: It's definitely a huge step forward, but there's still a lot of work to do, right? This season on Immigrantly, we are exploring the narratives that haven't been wildly covered across media. Why are we still coming up short in telling fully inclusive stories? Is it time to pivot away from powerful media giants and start making our own stories? I like that idea. What does representation look like in an increasingly digital age? Well, these are some of the questions we hope to tackle in season 12. And we have an exciting lineup of guests, including Broadway stars, authors, and movie directors, to help us find the answers. But before we dive into this new theme, we thought we should look at how we have explored media representation on Immigrantly in the past. Representation is not a topic we've shied away from at Immigrantly. Maybe you can recall our conversation with the founder of Muslim Casting, Serena Rasool, who had a lot to say about the restrictive nature of how Muslim women are portrayed in pop culture. So Serena, when it comes to Muslim representation, especially Muslim women, what are some of the nuances of experiences that you would like to see portrayed on the big screen?
4: Oh, so many. You know, um, I would love to see women that, especially Muslim women, that are just living their day-to-day lives. And we don't have to be hyper-sexualized and we don't Mm. have to be fetishized and don't have to be the characters that are coming up now that we're starting to see. They are women, there are Muslim women that have a little bit more like a dynamic element to their character. Hmm. But for some reason, they're always portrayed as rebellious or rebelling against their culture or rebelling against their religion. And so you can see that over and over again, where they'll put in a woman who happens to wear hijab. And then, you know, in a couple scenes, she tears it off. She rips it off. Yes. Um, (laughs) And I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. I'm sure it does. But what I'm saying is, why do we have to constantly either portray the woman in opposition to who she is uh, or who she may be or who what she may believe and instead i'd love to see a woman that you know is playing a full three-dimensional character mm-hmm. and just so happens to be muslim right just so it right. happens that she might wear hijab or she might not it just so happens that she has this culture and this way of life that she believes in she doesn't necessarily have to embrace everything about it because who does but who uh is not always rebelling against the machine into these like western paradigms of of oppression
0: Here's the thing, the concept of the Western paradigm of oppression is always a fascinating one to me. In an increasingly global age, we are seeing the parameters of culture blur as we assimilate and integrate other cultures into our way of being. Yet some paradigms still weigh heavier than others. So how does that affect us? During season 10, we spoke with writer Khadija Johnson about the importance of accurately portraying mental health issues for Black youth. Khadija draws from personal experience, noting she felt like the issues she faced were reserved for
1: white people. So I got my first anxiety attack over not doing my homework. And my parents were like very strict on grades, and my Mm -hmm. grades were always high. Mm -hmm. But I just hated doing homework with a passion, so I basically navigated that by calculating my way around how what I needed to do for tests, but and completely avoiding homework. But I like to see that reflected in media because what could I add to this conversation? Because a lot of a lot of mental health is spoken about when you're talking about like okay. You are a white person doing all these different things and they're able to give you the realities and excuses for it. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, not to say that those things don't exist and they're not valid. They're 100 percent valid. But where is where is that grace for me? What does that look like? And we don't get graces like that. I want to explore like, okay. what does what does grace look like for a Black person going through an anxiety attack? What does grace look like for a Black person going through depression? All of these different things that I don't really see reflected in media that much. It's rather as like, oh, you did this thing? Now you're going to have to suffer for it. This
0: goes back to what Serena was saying about telling full stories, right? It's funny because... Life is full of nuances. As people, we are filled with complexities and all sorts of contradictions. But underneath the nitty-gritty differences, we are united by the comfort of being seen. There is a great comfort in seeing your experience reflected back to you through the perspective of someone else. Which is exactly why we need to push for more inclusion in the mainstream. I'm sure you'll agree with me that in an increasingly digital age, we can't deny the enormous influence that the popular media has on the way we perceive ourselves and others. And this is a great segue into our conversation with Maho Malfino, author of Break the Good Girl Myth. Now, Maho raises a very important question. Listen carefully. How do media depictions affect our psyche and thus how we see ourselves and the world around us? Okay, here I want to do something. I want to connect American pop culture to your myths. And see how it perpetuates some of these myths and creates gender hierarchy. Because to be honest, in my mind, American pop culture can sometimes mess up with our psyche and create these narratives which are harmful to creating a more just and equitable society for everyone.
2: I love this question. I see it a lot in music and film, hmm. but I'll give an example of a movie that really affected my psyche as a teenager. <clears throat> it was called A Walk to Remember with Mandy Moore. I don't know if you know this movie, but basically the premise of the movie, for those who don't know, is I'm just going to paint broad strokes. She's, um, she's the daughter of a preacher, a uh, very religious girl. And uh, very shy. She wears a cardigan. What what you might think of as sort of a stereotypical good girl. And he, uh, the boy, is a a really bad boy. He's like getting in a lot of trouble. He's kind of a lost cause. So – they fall in love and the whole premise of the, the movie is about how sort of she, she saves him hmm. and she, you know, she absolves him of his sins, <laughs> you know, and basically um, he becomes, converts into being good and religious because out of love he gets transformed. And it's a really beautiful story and you'll literally sob your eyes out because in the end she like, so, spoiler alert, she dies of cancer. she's like oh. leukemia and she's like oh. dying in two weeks. So you're like, you're crying and you're feeling all these emotions and da, da, But when I was watching this as a 15 year old, I identified with her and I thought to myself, that's what I need. I need a boy like that. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's hilarious that I can save, you know, that I can convert a bad boy that I can make good and wholesome again. And so that's exactly who I got. You know, I dated, um, a boy in high school who, at age 16, took my virginity away, mm. took my virginity's even awful language. I had sex with him for the first time. <laughs> and, and he cheated on me. He was a bad boy. So I got <laughs> burned. And then my boyfriend in college was the one of the tattoo I told you about. Oh, my God. He also cheated on me, oh. got burned. So I feel like I went through some, you know, I Terrible went through religions. some rough yeah. patches. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But do you think, Mao it has to do with how women are conditioned? Like, you know, you have to help others. It is so unfortunate, but I see it all the time. And I see it in our culture a lot. Like, you know, elders or parents, especially mothers, will say things like, oh, you know... Uh, you can change people through good behavior, mm-hmm. and, which is such a BS because it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. No, doesn't you get happen. burned. You get you burned. Get burned.
2: Exactly. And then you, you come out with battle scars and baggage into your next relationship. You have to heal.
0: That conversation, by the way, reminds me of the importance of teaching our girls that they are not rehabilitation centers for flawed people. And by seeing that message portrayed over and over again through characters from different backgrounds, we can continue to create that cultural shift. That's why I deeply appreciate shows like, and wait for it, Rami. Now, if you are a long-time immigrant listener, you know that we love Rami. But it's the perfect example of deconstructing the concept of universal experiences through the lens of different characters whose identities are equally unique and intertwined in telling ways. Way back in Season 8, we sat down with one of the show's brilliant writers, Mehta Al-Hassan. Mehta revealed the way that the writing team weaved nuance into the storylines of the characters.
3: There is an urge from an entertainment media standpoint to frame what Rami is doing as the first. Clearly, we've right. had characters that have been Muslim, that have been Arab, but we haven't had the opportunity to see a family that, especially, I'm going to just narrow it down to the specificity of what he is trying to show through a universal story, which is, this is an Egyptian Muslim Mm -hmm. family in Jersey, and all those categories matter. But he's using that specificity and harnessing it to tell a story that is about a universal journey with faith. Now, I see Christian African immigrants say they relate so deeply to this story because of the conversation around faith, the dynamics within the family, and even some of the stuff that we talk about in season two around jealousy and the evil eye.
0: And with it to shows credit, it does bring magnifying glass to these issues, but then lets audiences decide, like, without being judgmental, right? Because in the past, we've seen Muslim characters, where, as I said, they are either Mato or terrorist, they are facilitating a protagonist within that story. And they are always shade of black and white, mm-hmm. right? In this Story, we see so many characters that are on like a spectrum of gray, even with the mother, sister, Rami himself. And that's what I really liked about the show because there are some aspects of Mesa, the character's life, that I can relate to. And I know maybe in another 10, 15 years, I could relate to it more, right? This show does speak to nuances of being a typical millennial, someone who doesn't really stand out by looks or affiliates, but is discovering different facets of his identity, including his religious identity. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Where do you see yourself in this spectrum, this sphere um, of faith, and spirituality or religion, as we call it? That's a
3: big question. And I do want to underscore what you just said before I move to my answer. I think that's the brilliance of the show is it is showing you the interior life of a character, the depths of their vulnerability. And what also Rami says, the difference between what people want to be, and what they actually are, Mm. and how to reconcile those worlds. This is a deep exploration in the psychology of what it means to strive for something better Mm. and contend with the limitations of the moment, which is a very spiritual quest. Mm. It's one that I deeply identify with. And I appreciate you being able to see that intervention that he is making in the show with All the characters.
0: So what do you all think? Do you agree that we are in the age of representation? Do you feel represented by the media, books, and other forms of culture today? Why or why not? I want to end this episode on the question that I raised at the beginning. Where do we go from here? What does it mean to tell multidimensional stories? How can we best represent all communities without falling into the trap of cliches? Honestly, I don't know the answer. I don't know if there is just one answer. But I do know that this is a conversation that continues to grow. As we enter an increasingly digital age, it's more important than ever to have these diverse conversations. And that is exactly what you can expect from us. This season, we are truly going to dissect representation. Our hope is that you leave each episode with a fresh perspective on what it means to be represented and why it isn't necessarily A one-size-fits-all discussion. Stay tuned for these fabulous conversations. I am so excited for you to hear them. I am your host, Sadia Khan, and you're listening to Immigrant League.